Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. So this morning, I want us to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses, and I want to share this, I want to share this word with us today because I, I believe we're at a time right now in the body of Christ um, where, and I love the song that we sang this morning, Won't Stop Now, um, just about how we're on the verge of seeing God do some incredible things, that, that breakthrough is coming. And uh, we, we keep talking about it, and we keep praying about it, and we keep believing it, and, and after a while, our... our natural tendency is to want to say, well, it must not be, or we must have missed it, or we must have missed out, but can I tell you that it's in that time that we persevere, that God stirs something inside of our hearts that prepares us. But I believe God is doing some incredible things within the body of Christ, but in that same sense, the enemy is trying everything that he possibly can to hinder the people of God from advancing in the plan and advancing in the promises that God has established for the church. The enemy is doing everything that he possibly can to keep you and I from responding the way that God has called us to and experiencing the promises of what he has established for our life. Because if he can get you and I off course, if he can get you and I off mission, if he can get you and I focused on our problems and our, uh, our shortfalls and our, and our past and everything that's against us, then our attention and our focus is taken off of what God has, what God has said and what he has spoken and is fixed on the small distractions that the enemy has placed to keep you and I from advancing. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, I love this uh, encounter that's recorded throughout the word of God in, in, in David's life. As many of you know, David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel, and he shows up on the scene at the instructions of his father to deliver uh, some supplies to his brothers and to the army of Israel. And for 40 days, the army of Israel had been camped on one side, and the Philistine army had been camped on the other side of this valley, where each day the Goliath, the giant of the Philistine army, came out and gave his defying blow to the uh, children of God and to the Israelite people. And every single time that that happened, every single time that he came out, the Israelite army would run in fear. And David shows up on the scene and he says, uh, he makes the statement, who is uh, this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And I love the statement that David makes because it's like he steps in and has a perspective that no one else has had when he looks at the situation and says, who is this person to think that he can say what he's saying against God's chosen people and not face the consequences of God? Because if you belong to God, if you're a child of God, you belong to Him, then can I just tell you that He is more than concerned about the the. the the current state and situation of your life. He's more than concerned about what's happening and what's going on around you. And so many times the enemy would like us to believe, he would like us to think that God is not concerned about what's happening because it looks like God's not doing anything. Isn't it just like the devil to tell you that God's not doing anything? That because you can't see anything happening, that nothing is happening? <laughs> 
Isn't it just like the enemy to tell you that God's not working and that God's not moving and that God's not doing anything? And what happens is that moment is we become so consumed by the fear of what's in front of us, by the, by the impossibility of what's ahead of us, that we begin to allow things that normally would not affect us to begin to affect us. But when we come with a determination, with our eyes fixed on the Lord, with an understanding of who we are in Christ and what He has called us to be, it causes us to respond to every situation and every circumstance a little bit differently because we recognize what's happening around us. When David walks in on the scene, something happens in his life. He knows what God has called him to. He knows what this giant in front of him is and what, how powerless he truly is. But the enemy takes every advantage to try to convince David or to try to distract David from securing the victory that God had planned. And one of the biggest one of those ways that the enemy will try to keep us from fulfilling that is through offense. Tell your neighbor, don't be offended. Tell your neighbor, don't be offended. We got way too many people that are offended. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm not surprised when people in the world are offended. They get offended if you, if you blink funny. I'm talking about the church. Well, that amen wasn't as loud. Why, why, why is it that in the body of Christ we become so easily offended? Why? Because our natural tendency to the reactions, to the situations, to the circumstances that are going on around us is to take a defensive posture to what someone says or to how someone speaks to us. And if we're not careful, we will allow offense to set in and we will become so consumed with what someone said to us what someone said about us, what someone did to us, that we will focus on every bit of that and miss the battle that God called us to fight. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross and, and defeat death, hell, and the grave by rising again on the third day and send the Holy Spirit so that as the body of Christ we could walk around offended and miserable and divided. Jesus didn't call the church to be divided. He called the church to be united because he knew when the body of Christ was united that it was an unstoppable force. So wouldn't it be just like the enemy to find a way to get you and I to be offended at one another so that there would be division and discord instead of unity and power to carry out the plan and the promise of what God established for our life. I am sick and tired of us walking around in the body of Christ offended at somebody else because they said something or looked at me a funny way or disagreed with my opinion instead of having the heart and the love of God to recognize that maybe, just maybe, what's going on here isn't what it looks like, but rather a force that's behind it that's trying to divide. Because when we stand united as the body of Christ, there's a shift that begins to happen in the world around us because there, there is an, uh, the enemy recognizes the unstoppable force that's in front of him. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole chapter this morning. If you haven't read 1 Samuel chapter 17, I encourage you to take some time 
and, uh, and this afternoon or tomorrow morning and take some time and read through that whole chapter and just let the Holy Spirit speak to you and let God give you some, some word, let him give you some meat. But I want to I dive into this this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. David asked the, man, the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments of time that you will speak to our hearts. God, stir up a hunger within us. Lord, that we would be filled with the righteousness of heaven, transformed by the power of your word. Lord, walking free from the offenses that the enemy would put in front of us. Lord, recognizing the power of your word and the revelation of it, God, help us to handle offenses. Lord, with the love, the care, and the compassion of heaven, Lord, that we would respond in obedience to everything that you have called us to. God, we give you the glory and honor and praise today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, when I, when I look at the story of what David, uh, David encounters in that first part, his brother burns with anger at him and responds to him, with that response, isn't it just like the enemy when you're in the middle of a battle, when you recognize the enemy that's in front of you for what's happening, isn't it just like the enemy to come and try to tell you that you don't, that, that, you, that, you're, that you have the wrong motive, that you have the wrong approach, that you're there for the wrong reasons? Isn't it just like the enemy to try to come and convince you that, that the, what you're up against, what you're, what you're dealing with, is, uh, is nothing more than you just wanting to take part in the spectacle of what's happening instead of responding to the, to the situation with the power and the authority of what God has established? David's brother comes at him with nothing more than an, a, than an attempted offense 
to distract David from the mission that God had given him. Had David been offended by what his brother said, I don't know about you, but if you, how many of you, you have siblings? Or maybe a best friend that's like a sibling. They ever said anything that offended you? Yeah, yes, they sure have said plenty of things. You know, they know, it, the people that are closest to you in your life, don't they just know just the thing to say? To just push your button. Anybody else could say it and you're just, oh, it's okay. But that person says it and you just immediately, you're like, I can't believe you. How, how dare you? You know, immediately we just go into this, def this defensive posture and we're mad and we're frustrated and we walk around. I can't believe you said that. I just can't even believe that you said that. Just as, as mad and as frustrated and as ticked off as we can be. You know, and I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, it's, it's no wonder that in the, in the body of Christ and the family of God, that we have the same reaction. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a way of doing it. And we've lived in a republic that has a democracy format, so we're convinced in the kingdom of God that it's the same way. I got news for you. When you get to heaven, you don't get a vote. <laughs> the rights you have are the rights he gives. Amen? Yes. And when we, learn, when we learn to understand that, when we learn to respond to that, man, what a freedom it brings to our life and what a joy it brings. But it's no wonder that we get so offended and why we're so easily pushed. David had a, Dave, God had sent David into the scene of this battle at just the right moment, and the enemy was taking every opportunity that he could to bring offense into David's life because he knew that if he could get David caught up in a, in a war of words with his brother and offended at what his brother would say, had said, then he wouldn't be a threat. The enemy has been doing... Listen, the enemy doing everything that he can to steal, kill, and destroy is not something new. The devil's been trying to kill off the children of God for generations. He's been trying to kill off the children of God for thousands of years. It's not a new thing because if he can cut them off, if he can kill them out, then whatever, whatever else they thought was going to happen or be possible, it would no longer be able to fulfill the plan and the promise of God to redeem and to restore what he had established. So the enemy was doing everything that he could through the Philistine army, through Goliath, Goliath, who had stepped out to take dominion over God's people. But God doesn't settle for his people being stuck in captivity. He doesn't, he doesn't settle for his people being stuck or bound into slavery. And if you don't believe me, then just remember when Jesus went to the cross, it was to set you and I free so that we could experience life and eternity with him. So don't settle for your current state of, of, of attack. Don't settle for your current battle and be convinced that that's all there is is understand that there is coming a moment where God is going to raise up and God is going to establish his plan and his promise in your life. Don't settle for the giant. Don't settle for the lie. David had an opportunity to respond to the situation in obedience to the plan of God or to be offended by what his brother had said. If David had taken an offense at what his oldest brother said, then his fight would have been with his brother instead of the giant. And too many times in the body of Christ, what we have is we have a body that's fighting against itself instead of fighting against the enemy. 
And then we wake up and we wonder why our world's in the state that it's in. If we'd stop attacking one another, if we'd stop criticizing one another, if we'd stop being offended when somebody says that the way I did something wasn't the right way or the way you did something wasn't the right way, instead of taking offense at when people, when we hear that people are talking behind our backs, instead of being offended at what someone said or what someone did, and instead responding the way that Jesus did when they talked about him in love and in truth and in the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe, just maybe, we could start slaying some giants, tearing down some walls, and bring in the love and the truth and the life and the healing and the hope of heaven into the places of darkness. I don't have time to be offended at you. Tell your neighbor, I don't have time to be offended at you. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but time is running out. I think I have said this to somebody every single day. Time is flying. It is. It's flying. I can, can you believe it's September 1st? Where did August go? Where was July and June? It's gone. Time is flying, and it gets faster and faster all the time. We don't have time to sit around offended and mad and bitter and boiling over with all of our frustration at one another. If you want to be mad at somebody, get mad at the uncircumcised Philistine that's standing in front of you and that's trying to cut you down. Get mad at the enemy who's trying to get you to attack your own and instead recognize that he's the force that's behind it. Instead, realize who the real enemy is and stop cutting down the person that's in front of you, behind you, beside you, around you, across town from you and realize that hell has no power over the kingdom of God and the plan that he's established for the church. Number one, this morning, if we're going to handle offenses before it hinders us, we have to, number one, realize offense is a distraction from the true enemy. If the enemy can get you offended, you'll no longer be a threat. If he can get you offended, you'll no longer be a threat. Hear me in this room this morning. If you battle with offense, if you are offended in your life, and if you tell me I've never been offended and I've never battled with offense, then you need to read this book. It's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. It'll change your life. Several of our life groups have gone through it. Many people in our church body have read it. It is a book that will change your life. It'll change the perspective of your life. I don't have time to teach on it. I'd have to teach on it for weeks. Read the book and realize that offense is a distraction from the true enemy. If the devil can get you offended at somebody else, then hit... <laughs> You are no longer a threat to the kingdom of darkness. At some point in the body of Christ, we have got to realize that the enemy is doing whatever he can to keep us from realizing who the true enemy is. I love what Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us. It reminds us that our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. I think we put it up there. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. In the heavenly realms. The second that we realize that my fight is not with you. (laughs) My fight's not with you. You may have said something that hurt. You may have said something that wasn't nice. But I know what's behind it. The, The problem is, is we get to the point of saying, well, I feel... 
like they were intentionally trying to hurt me. Can I tell you that what's behind that is the enemy who's trying to destroy you? He can get, if he can get you to buy into that offense, if he can get you to hold on to that pain, and he can get you to hold on to that struggle, then you will no longer be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Because the only thing that will consume your thoughts, the only thing that will consume your emotions, the only thing that will consume your attention is how bad and how wrong they treated you. And all the while, the enemy will just keep on, keep on pushing forward. Keep on tearing down. Why? Because he knows that as long as he's got you and I offended, we're not a threat. Tell your neighbor, I know who the real enemy is. Tell your neighbor, I know who the real enemy is. Tell your neighbor, my fight's not with you. Praise the Lord. (laughs) My fight's not with you. The second that we realize that our fight's not with each other, and we see what the enemy's doing, there's a shift that begins to happen in our life, and there's a way that we begin to respond differently than we did before. Offense that goes, uh, offense that's not handled, will ultimately hinder us from experiencing the fulfillment of God's plan and His promise in our life. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, let it go. Hmm. Secondly, this morning, handling offenses before it hinders, we need to realize that unresolved offenses hinder God's, unresolved offense hinders God's plan and promises. Unresolved offense hinders God's plans and promises. I love what Luke chapter 17, verse number 1 says. It says, Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be offended. Somebody, Listen, you, you, somebody's going to say something to you, and it's not even that they were trying to offend you, but they just didn't think before they spoke. You ever had somebody say something like that to you? I'll never forget. <laughs> I'll never forget on a Sunday morning. This has been years ago. This has been years ago. What? It wasn't anybody that's in this room, so don't worry about it. <clears throat> I'm not talking about you. You didn't say it and forgot you said it, okay? All right? But we were, we were at the countdown of the service, and I was, I was youth pastor then, and so I a lot of times helped open service or did different things throughout to help Pastor Greg. And I was standing here. There was about 30 seconds that was left on the clock, and I had a gentleman that came in that day that was visiting, and he walked up to the stage, and I was wearing my gray suit. He walked up to the stage, and he said, Wow! said, how'd you manage to pop that circus tent up? 30 seconds before service started, I said, you're going to make a fat joke at me 30 seconds before church is about to start? I mean, I just felt my blood pressure just go up. I thought, you don't look much better is what I wanted to say. That was my immediate reaction. You don't look much better. You managed to pop that shirt up and make it into church this morning. I just felt just immediately my flesh just stirred. I was mad. I thought, are you kidding me? And I know. Here's the deal. At the end of the day, I know he wasn't trying to be hateful. I know he wasn't trying to be mean. But in that moment, I just thought, 
we are fixing us. We're fixing to worship Jesus. And you're going to come in, I mean, just appalled and upset. So mad. Thank you. I know. I know this suit's snug. I don't need you to tell me. I got it. But immediately there was this offense that tried to set in in my life. What was the enemy trying to do? He was trying to get my attention the rest of the service to be fixed on the fact that this guy came up there and said that when we're about to have this incredible time of worship together as the family of God. And that's just how the enemy does it. Man, you get up on Monday morning, and it's actually a good Monday morning. You got everybody ready. You got out the door on time. You're at work five minutes early, and if it ain't the first phone call you take that somebody's hateful, if it ain't the first phone call, if it ain't the first person that you speak to that day that says something that just rubs you the wrong way, just know the devil's doing whatever he can to get you offended, to rob you of the mission that God has given you that day. That is the moment that the enemy is doing whatever he possibly can to try to get you to respond the wrong way. If I had opened my mouth and said that, I'd have played right into the enemy's trap. (laughs) I'd have played right into the enemy's game. And I'd have spent the rest of the service just as mad and just as frustrated and just as ticked off. But instead, I chose to do what I know Jesus did time and time again. Let it go. Unresolved offense hinders God's plans and promises in our life. If we don't let go of the offense, we can't move forward in God's plan. We can't receive God's promise because we're too busy holding on to our pain, holding on to our offense, holding on to our frustration. I understand the example that I use is a light thing. And I did it as an example But I know there are many hard, heavy, genuine offenses that happen in our lives. Some that you have genuinely, you have been done wrong. And you have, hear me, you have every right to be offended. You have every right to be offended. You have every right to be upset. You have every right to be angry. But can I just tell you that the longer that you hold on to that offense the further you will be from experiencing the promise and the plan of God in your life. Because God can't give you what you're not willing to receive. And you can't take hold of what God has if you're holding on to all of that pain, if you're holding on to all of that anger, if you're holding on to all of that bitterness. And what happens is, is in the body of Christ, we've got too many of us that are walking around with our pain, that are walking around with our offense, and we're frustrated because we haven't seen God's plan, and all the while, Jesus is just waiting for us to lay it at his feet. He's saying, if you'll just come, if you'll just come to me and you'll lay that here, if you'll just take that burden, if you'll take that offense, if you'll take that pain, if you'll just spend some time sitting at my feet and laying that down and letting that go, not only will I heal you, but I'll be able to finally give you what I've been promising you. If David would have been offended at what his brother said, it would have robbed him from advancing into the plan and the promise of what God had. David's brother said what he said to him, and you know what David did? What have I done but ask a question? And instead of getting into a war of words with his brother, he turned and asked the other men that were standing there the question that he had asked before. What does this man get? What does this man get that defeats 
this Philistine. And what happens as a result of David refusing to focus and refusing to be stopped by the offense is he gets the attention of the king. So the king sends for him, and then he's presented with another offense. Offenses are many. Tell your neighbor, you're going to be offended. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to stay that way. The king looks at David and says, you are, you're only a boy. You don't have what it takes. Think about it from the king's perspective. He has the armies of Israel that for 40 days have been standing there, and he didn't have a single man that's been brave enough to step out there and say, and now he's got this little shepherd boy that's standing in front of him that says, I got this. I, I got this. I can do this. And the king looks at him and says, you're just a boy. <laughs> isn't, it just, <laughs> isn't it just like the enemy to say, you don't have what it takes. You're not qualified. You're not capable. You have no experience with this. You haven't been to battle. You haven't been to war. You don't, you have no, this, this man has been fighting from his youth. He's a giant who's experienced and skilled in what he has. But David's response, I love David's response, because what was happening in the shepherd field day after day and caring for the sheep that God had entrusted to him was God was shaping him and molding him to be the ultimate shepherd of his people that he would one day serve as king so that when there was a threat that would come against them, he would recognize it and realize that it has no power and it has no authority and it has no place and it means that it doesn't belong. See, what it happened for David is day after day of doing what God had told him to do, being obedient to serve, being obedient to honor, being obedient to care. God had prepared him, had shaped him and molded him for when he would stand up against another offense that would come his way and realize you're not the enemy and you're not the threat. The enemy stands out there in the middle of the valley defying the armies of the living God. I know what God has done for me when a lion tried to come and take what God had given me. I know what God has done for me when a bear tried to come and take what God has given me. And I know what God has said about my life. I know who he's called me to be. I know what he's anointed me to do. I know what he's established for my life. And the kingdom of Israel going into captivity and serving the Philistines is not on the agenda. It's not on the plan. It's not on the line of what he has. God will deliver this Philistine to me just like he did the bear, just like he did the lion, and we will see victory victory. David refused to go off mission because he knew the promise and the plan that God had established for his life. Unresolved offenses will hinder God's plan and promises because what happens is our life becomes about the offense. <laughs> and we forget who we are. David knew who he was because he'd spent time with the king. David knew who he was because he had spent time worshiping the king. He had spent time seeking the king. When nobody else was around and nobody else was watching, don't sacrifice your quiet time with the Lord. Don't sacrifice reading the word. Don't sacrifice praying. There's 15 million things that have to be done in this life. There's 2,000 loads of laundry that have to be done. The bathroom's not going to clean itself. Dinner's not going to cook itself. 
But can I tell you there is no substitute for time in his presence? Because it's that time with him that when offenses come will give you and I the eyes to see and to recognize that what the enemy is trying to use and what the enemy is trying to do to distract us from what God has said will begin to shift. I love what, uh, I love what, what Luke chapter 17, just um, a few verses down, verses 3 and 4 Say It says, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. A lot of times what happens when we're offended by someone is we don't have a conversation. We don't have a conversation. It's amazing to me the number of people in my life that have been offended at me and I never knew it. (laughs) I never knew. They never told me they were offended. They were just offended. And they never came and had a conversation. Here's the deal. If somebody upsets you or someone offends you in the body of Christ especially, have a conversation with them. Don't take your prayer request to someone else. Did you hear me? Don't take your prayer request. Listen, I need, a, I need you to pray for me. <laughs> Haley's been talking about me. Mm-mm, nope, time out. Somebody comes up to me and says that, this is what I say. Have you had a conversation with them? Nope, have a conversation with them. If that doesn't work, come back. Have a conversation with them. Because a lot of times, what I found is that usually it's miscommunication. And if we have a simple conversation, nine times out of ten it's resolved. Sure, there's always the percentage that it's not, but a lot of times it is. Why? Because we simply won't have a conversation with that person. If you have that conversation and that person comes and that person repents, forgive them. Forgive them. Tell your neighbor, forgive them. Because when you do, what will happen is it will free you and I from that offense and will move us into the plan and the promises of God. I don't have time to be offended at you. You don't have time to be offended at me. And if we spend all that time being offended at one another, we'll rob ourselves of the freedom and the plans and the promises of what God has for our life. There are going to be things that people do that you won't like. There will be decisions that people will make that you won't like, that you won't agree with. And in that moment, we have a choice to respond, to become offended, or to walk in the freedom of that and experience what God has. Thirdly, this morning, handling handling offenses in our life before they become a hindrance. We handled offenses, we have to realize handled offenses lead to overwhelming victories. Had David let the opportunity for offenses to settle in his life, had he, had he let those offenses control him, had he let those offenses dominate him, it would have held him back from achieving the victory that God had established for that, for that day. What victories, what victories are we missing out on because we haven't handled offenses? What victories, are we, what victories are we missing out on because we haven't handled offenses? 
Handled defenses lead to overwhelming victories. My battle's not with you. My battle's with the enemy. I don't have time to be offended at you. I don't have time for you to be offended at me. I came to, I came to a realization a long time ago. Uh, our, family has been, um, our family's been involved in ministry for years and years and years. My mom and dad, if you've never heard their story, I've got to have them come down and share their story. I need to set them down on a Sunday morning, and they're probably watching. Hey, I need y'all to come down here, and I need y'all to come and, and share your story. Incredible, incredible faith journey of how God called them to Arkansas. They left everything behind, fit us and our dog and what suitcases we could in the car. Big old dog. He wasn't very smart either, but he was so sweet. He was so sweet. And these you'll always have with you, Jesus said. And so we came, we came. We came and we, not you, the dog, and we came and we got in the car. I just wanted to clarify in case anyone was confused. And we got in the car. Are you offended? Not at all. That's good. All right. <laughs> really bad if I preach this whole message and now you're offended. So we got in the car and we came and it was just crazy. It's been crazy how God has done everything that he said he would do. I, I preach a lot about faith because it's what I've always known. I know, I know what it is to not have another dollar to be able to pay for anything. And God just show up with everything you need. I know what it is to be in those situations where it seems absolutely impossible, but then suddenly God steps in and makes a way. Because when you're obedient to what He said, and you'll sacrifice your comfort, you'll sacrifice your preference, and you'll just do what He said. It's what our, it's what our parents lived out for us. It's what they modeled for us. And the thing is, is I learned through that journey with them and them serving in, in ministry and serving in the church, I learned that, man, offenses will come and people will say stuff about you and they'll talk about you. Anybody that, that, that served in ministry before or that's had time that, that's been in ministry, people will say things. And oftentimes it's honestly because they don't know. And I learned early on that you can be offended or you can be effective. You can be offended, or you can be effective, but you can't be both. If you're offended, all you will do is damage. If you're effective, all you will do is fulfill. His kingdom, His will, His promises on the earth. <laughs> David, David went on, the king tried to give him his own armor. It wasn't, wasn't sufficient because it wasn't what he'd known. As it wasn't what God had trained him in. Hear, hear this. Be you. Be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be yourself. Listen, I have, tried to, I have tried to write sermons. I have tried to preach. I have tried to do it the way that other people do. It don't work. It don't work. I can't do it. I cannot do it. But one thing I found is that if you'll do it the way that God has trained you and the way that God has showed you, and you'll respond out of love to every person that's around you. Even the people that you have offended are the people that have offended you. If you'll love unconditionally, 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 even when they don't love you back, unconditionally, if you'll love, there's this peace and this joy and this freedom that you have that'll change your life. Because what'll happen is, when you handle those offenses, you'll keep your eyes fixed on the enemy and you'll keep conquering victory after victory for the kingdom of God. we got way too much to do in this city to be offended. 
We got way too much to do. We've got way too many, we got way too many victories that God has called us to, to conquer for our families and 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 for our for our schools, for this community that we don't have time to be offended. I don't have time to be offended. I don't have time to be offended. I'm laying those at the feet of Jesus, and I'm responding with the same love and the grace that Jesus has given me. Amen?